Father, thank you for this opportunity just to be in your presence. Lord, we thank you that we can be in your presence. Well, we are permanently. But thank you, Lord, that to gather together in your presence is something special. Thank you, Lord. If we can avoid the pews with white paper on them, that would be great. Thank you. Sorry, that means somebody was sitting there this morning. Yeah. Sorry about that. Lord, thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Meet with us. Lord, thank you you're here. Meet with us. Would you manifestly meet with us today, tonight? Do you meet with us through our thinking? Do you meet with us through our emotions, through our feeling? Jesus, come. Hmm. Just take a moment and give back to the Lord those things, the, the stuff of today, that, the stuff that's irked. If you're a Chelsea fan, give back the fact that you've lost to Liverpool. It's the stuff that's got at you. Lord, we let go. So, I shared with the home group leaders, do come and join us, I shared with the home group leaders um, over the last couple of weeks, and I've been sharing with uh, various leadership groups, the, uh, and I'm not sure how many people have picked up on this, hence my comment about um, communication, because from the, the the positive side of communication, from the people communicating, you you think you're communicating your your feet off, you know, and you're saying something again and again and again and again, and the hearing side of it is another matter entirely. And uh, so, the connection between what we've been doing in home groups and what we've been doing in encounters over the last six months is huge. They, they don't just parallel each other, they actually reinforce each other. They're all out of revelation. Um, a while back, teaching on that video, the one about the tsunami coming, um, which I think we sat and watched in here and got to home groups to look at. I hope you did get to see that. And to say that, um, yeah, so... We've been, well, not just me, but Martin and Vicky and 
Chris and a number of people over the last few weeks have been working through Revelation that should have, if you look at it, connected with, the, with what you're doing in home groups. Not always, not always a direct connection, but if you look at it together, it should fit. And if it doesn't, do have a chat. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how I think it fits, even if, you, if, even if we're not sure. What I'm going to try and do tonight is to say, okay, look, this is the revelation over the last nine months. And this is where we're at. And this is where we're going. This is what the Lord is saying right now. And again, it's not that he's saying it to me, though some of it is. He's saying it to us through various people. And it's not just me and I. I got that the other day. Oh, well, there's two or three of you just get revelation. And it's just the two or three of you. No. No, I get revelation from all over the place. And it's often the piece of revelation that comes from somebody who doesn't often give us revelation. That is the bit that go, we go, oh, because it unlocks or connects or deciphers what's going on much, much more clearly. So if you get revelation, you think it might be, send it to us. Revelation at, which is now connected to our personal emails, revelation at stleonardcb.org.uk. And then we can start to put it together. So what I've done, do you remember the cards, well, they the, the went out, the envelopes of encouragement, they went out around Pentecost, and um, there was a summary of what the Lord's been saying at the beginning of 2020, what he's saying now, and then the reverse side was... So, essentially, how do we respond to this? So I'm revisiting some of that. But I'm doing it in a different way. And I'm doing it visually as well as verbally. Any calisthenic learners among you can sort it out yourselves. I can't, I can't work that one out into a sermon. But um, So, we're looking at those things and where we're at. And I've crafted it down into three simple areas, three simple things. And the really, shall I say annoying thing? Anno- annoying thing for me, and it's my, it's my, it's what I've done for me that's annoying, if you see what I mean. So there's two or three things the Lord's been saying over the last six weeks which are really important. And blow me down, when I sat down and looked at it, he said them in June, and he said them in March as well. It's like, uh, oh, whoops. Because we'd even, we'd even got them onto the, the list of stuff, but we hadn't focused on it. Um, I'm always aware that when the Lord tells, repeats himself two or three times, it's probably a good idea to listen to him. Because it's, you know, truly, truly, I say unto you. It's not just a bit of emphasis. That's Jesus going, Oi, listen, this really, really is important. Not that what he said before wasn't, but this is really, really important. So how does this come together? Linking the revelation of the whole of 2020. The first point, the first thing we need to take or come back to, is it's not taking it on board, it's coming back to. And that's the thing with prophecy most of the time, we're coming. It's bringing us back to what we know. It's bringing us back to what's in the scriptures, and we know, and then applying it in our specific situation. So the first thing is that war is reality. We live in a war zone. It, it's permanent. 
Oh no, we live in a nice place. It's not a war zone. No, spiritually, it's a war zone. It really is. Are you alive? Are you born again? Yeah? Two or three of you are like going... So I hope you are. If you're born again, you're on the enemy, you're in the enemy's sights. If you're not born again, he doesn't care because you're already on his side. But if you're born again, the enemy will work. And if you're active for God, which we all are, whether it's we're at home praying because we're not allowed out. It's wonderful to see you guys here tonight. Actually come out and be with us. But if we're active in prayer ministry, if we're active in children's ministry, if we're active, whatever we're, ministry we're active in, if we're being responsive and obedient to God, we are in a battle. Oh, but everyone's so lovely and so nice. Yeah, well, people may be, but the spirits aren't. And some of the nicest people come carry some of the most malevolent spiritual stuff. You know, I carried horrible stuff for years. And still do sometimes. It, it's not, you know, when we, we say, look, there's a problem here. Sam, you've got the Jezebel spirit is affecting you and you need to deal with it. We're not going, isn't Sam horrible? You know, we're saying to her, mostly without anybody else hearing, should we deal with the Jezebel? And I, I don't know whether, I'm sure you would as well, but if somebody says to me, look, I can see this, do you want to deal with it? My answer is, yeah, come on. Let's just do it. Am I am I always certain what they're saying is true? No. But even if there's just an inkling of whatever they're saying is there, then I want get it off. I don't. I don't, I'm not offended by it. I'm not scared by it. I just want rid of it. And do you know what? If I don't need to get rid of it, and I clean a part of my spirit that doesn't need cleaning, I have done no damage. Just polished it a bit more. War is a reality. We mustn't, 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 mustn't. Are we getting across now? Mustn't play it down. And we will never get to the place when we're past it. I don't mean past it, as in too old. I mean past the problem, past the issue. We wouldn't... Warfare will be with us to the day we die. The only place there is no warfare is in God's perfect presence. And are we in his perfect presence? No. He is here. He is present. But we're still a mixture of the born-again part of us that is perfect and the soul, soulish, worldly bits of us that are still not sanctified. If we, if we were perfectly in his presence, there would be no need for us to, be, to continue to grow into holiness. We mustn't play it down. And I've heard both of those. Some people saying, oh, no, no, we don't need to do this, really. We're in Jesus, all will be well. Well, we're in Jesus, all will be well, but we won't necessarily have had what he wants to give us and all the amazing things he wants to do through us. All will be well, but not all will be abundantly well. And I've also heard them people go, well, yeah, well we've, we understand the, the Jesus ministry thing, and you do that bit of warfare, but we're beyond that now. No, we're not. Jesus ministry doesn't matter. 
Are the truths in freedom, prayer, all the rest of it, biblical truths? Yeah? Then we're not beyond them. Because if we say we're beyond them, we're being arrogant beyond belief because it means we know better than the Bible. So if, if we're in groups and we're not setting up and we're not listening to what's coming against and we're not proclaiming what... If we're not doing all of that... Oh, no, we're beyond that now. We... Yep. It's like your kids saying, you know, now I can ride my bike, I don't need brakes. You really, really. War is a reality. Firstly, our identity equips us. And I don't mean our identity, I mean generally our identity equips us in Christ. Who we are in Christ equips us, but actually who we are in Christ really equips us. We're bold, courageous, lion-hearted, prophetic people. We've heard this before, Lord. Yeah, I know. But in the context of war, and prophecy is a lethal weapon. I don't know if you know that. And Wendy said this morning, worship can be warfare. Notice she said can be, because again, there's a piece of teaching around that says all worship is warfare. That's not true. It's not true. Because if we're not recognizing the enemy and we don't see it as warfare, then it's not warfare. And the enemy can come in on our worship and make us religious. And it all becomes a whole load of songs. Somebody said to me tonight in the shop, went to the shop, I know it's Sunday, sorry, went to the shop, and he said, oh, it's a pity you guys can't sing. And I said, well, we can still worship and just watch the confusion go across his face. Because the, the sad thing is, though, there's a lot of people in church. Oh, it'd be great to sing some songs. No, it's, no we want to worship. And singing is part of that. So worship, if you're here singing songs, it's not... I tell you what, Johnny will tell you, when you lead worship, if you stand up and lead a song people don't like, or amongst a group of people who don't want to hear the guitar being played, or whatever it is, um, worship isn't warfare, it's the cause of flipping warfare. Correct? And you feel it, you hit that first chord, and you hear the... You don't hear it out loud, no, sadly you do sometimes, um, but you hear it in the spirit, and of course you go, and then you go, no, no, up, set the temperature. Warfare is a reality, but our identity equips us. What we need to do is tear down the idols. If you remember from the tsunami picture, these are the crabs that are left behind when the wave recedes. And the wave is receding. I know it looks like we're going into a second wave. There's a second wave of cases, and we've got to take care. And deaths have jumped a little bit. But it's not having the same impact it had the first time around. If you're interested, I've got a, had a really good video. It is a 35-minute watch. It's a really good video, just looking at the statistics dispassionately. I'll leave it there. I'm not going to say any more. But the part of the wave is, is coming back. And what we need to see is the crabs, the cancers, the nasty things that are around in us. 
Sometimes we can be so caked in dirt, it's not until you've had a good, decent shower that you can see where the, you know, where the problems are. You get rid of the dirt, and then you see where the sores and the... And we need to deal with them. We need to tear down the idols. Could somebody read 2 Samuel 15, 1 to 20? I know you all can read. Can somebody read out loud? I apologize. Say, say what you mean, Laurie. And assume what people think. Does everybody know who Absalom is? So it's King David's son. So member of the royal family. Important person. Who's got it? So I will, I will move a microphone towards you. You've got the ESV, haven't you? Anybody reading the NIV? <laughs> That's all right, don't worry. I, don't fight. I've got, I'm, I'm standing between the two church wardens now. Help. <laughs> Is it safe to let you hold the mic? Yeah. Okay. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? And he would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that they receive justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way towards all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While your servant is living at Geshur in Aram, I made this vow, If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers through the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king of Hebron. Two hundred men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for, you can tell me this one, Ahithopel, the Gilonite, David's counsellor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he then but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. 
So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him, along with the Kerethites and the Pelethites, and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. The king said to, to the Ittai, the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday, and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I am going. Go back and take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. This is so weird. What's Absalom's job? What's his job? He's a prince of Israel. What's Prince Charles's job? To support his mum. What's Absalom's job? To support his dad. To be part of the king's retinue and authority. What he does is he sits outside the city gate. The city gate is the place of authority. And he sits there to stop people getting to David. Oh, there's nobody here to see you. I'll sort it for you. And he sorts it for them in a way they want to hear. And the hearts of the people turn. Absalom wants it for himself. Then he goes to David and puts it in such good spiritual language. Oh, if I do this and do that, I will worship the Lord. And I've got to fulfill a vow. And I've got to, and he, so David says, look on him. Because David loves his son. And loves the Lord. And who's the anointed one? Who's the called one? Should perhaps someone be doing this? Then he goes and does stuff. Then he sends open messages and publishes them on the internet. No, sorry, what did it say? He sends secret messages. And those of you who got the NIV, what's the title of the passage? Absalom's Conspiracy. This is how the enemy wages war within churches. And it, Have you ever seen anything like this within churches you've been in over the years? I'm saying I'm not saying it because he's not here, but it's like Chris deciding I'm doing a bad job, but he doesn't challenge me. He he gets all you lot on his side, and then goes to the bishop and says, "The rector's rubbish." That's never happened here, has it? That people have written to the Bishop and said the rector's rubbish, has it? I can't see your faces, so I'm assuming the look of ashamedness is there. Previous church wardens, has it happened? And he's nodding. It's fully, well, he's, he's raising his eyebrows up and down. Which, and I know it's happened. And it's happened in churches I've been in. Well, as a layperson. And the people have tried to recruit me and got really, really upset with me when I've backed the vicar. I've gone and had a chat with the vicar because I may think they're doing something that's not right, but I've backed them. Because biblically, that's what we do. 
Yet you've got to challenge, otherwise you end up with a figure that goes off the rails and all the rest of it. But you, you, it's not open warfare. This Absalom spirit is around in the church. Justin Welby, when the, the new, the rule of six, um, whatever that is, came into force. And Justin Welby posted that churches would be, uh, were immune from it. And the act of worship. Remember I, I put the um, tweet round? What I didn't show you was the, the thread underneath that absolutely went for him from church people saying how stupid it was and we were putting people in danger and with blah, 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 and typical Church of England. That's the other thing. If you ever go at a particular denomination, a friend of mine who used to be, well, I'm not quite sure what he was, but he'd been in the Baptist church, he'd been in many free churches. He used to talk about Anglicans and Anglicans. And I said to him, Derek, I'm really sorry, mate. We're Anglicans. And the Anglicans that you like are the ones that follow Jesus and the other ones are Anglicans who are not Christians yet. And I'm really sorry. But it's the same in the Methodist church and the Baptist church and the, and the, and the. People don't know Jesus and still attend the vineyard. You know that? People don't know Jesus. But actually, we want them to attend because we want them to come to know Jesus. You know, of course, of course. But do you understand what I'm trying to say here? If you, if you, if you poke at, we're in trouble. This Absalom spirit is around and it's a deep rebellion. It's a rebellion that says, I know better and I'm going to tell them it's better. It's the, it's, it's the one that says, I, you know, they, they must have got it wrong. And I know people are saying that about next Sunday. You must have got it wrong. We don't, well, do you know what? If you think we've got it wrong, don't come. It's fine. I'm assuming you lot don't think we've got it wrong, otherwise you wouldn't be here now. Because you'd think this was wrong as well. Because we're closer now than we will be on Sunday, next Sunday. Because it's such a flipping huge space. Johnny, turn the volume up next, next, next week, sorry. It's a huge space and we're going to be spread out. And it's just Johnny and Alice, I think, going to be singing. So, that's Okay. The rebellion can start with really small things. And thirdly in this one, we need to face up to the schemes. Wendy said this this morning, shut down or lock down as shut down stuff in us that it shouldn't have done. Obeying the authorities and doing as we're told, absolutely right. We're not advocating full-out rebellion against Boris well, no, sorry, no, we're not advocating full-out rebellion against Boris and against, no, of course not but what has got shut down in us if church was to open Sunday morning, next Sunday morning exactly the same way it was on March the 16th or whenever it was we last met as as church, before the church weekend away, if we suddenly, I would I'm not a gambling man, never have been too scared to lose money um, I couldn't even buy shares. I'd be too scared they went in the wrong direction. Um, but I would put a lot of money on a number of, I'm not saying you or you or you, but on a number of folk not coming to church because they can't be bothered. Because online is so much easier. You can do it in your pyjamas. And as long as you don't go on for coffee afterwards, then nobody knows. You know, it is easier, isn't it? And it's so much easier to ignore it. 
So much easier not to take it seriously, even if some idiot is changing his hat 13 times during service. I got loads, I got emails from the kids before I changed anything to tell me stuff had changed this morning. That was, that was fun. <laughs> your left eye is bigger than your right eye. In the, in, what? Now clearly the, the number wasn't clear on the cap because they've all got it wrong. Those that have emailed me, they've all got it wrong, the number on the cap. But there you go. Face up to it. And Wendy shared that picture about the wise monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. It sounds like good advice. But it renders you blind, deaf and mute if you follow it right through to its conclusion. And that's possibly where we've gone as a church. We've stopped, not us personally, but the whole church. We've stopped discerning what's happening and just follow the, follow the rules blindly. We've stopped listening to what the Lord is saying. We've stopped speaking out. Though I've noticed Justin has started to say a few more things. Thank God. Okay. But this three wise monkeys picture. And it comes from culture and society. Notice those of you who have heard me say this in the last couple of weeks. It does. For a for hundred years... The, the world has been trying to tell us that our faith is private. Don't share it. Keep it to yourselves. Oh, it's okay if church goes and be, goes and be church in, uh, on the fringe of society in its little hidey hole over there, but don't make waves. Even when church ostensibly is the heart of the community in some villages... If the church starts to preach the gospel and not just preach the village mantra, if the church starts to do kingdom stuff, not just what the village wants to do, no, 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 we don't do that. That's not proper Christianity. We don't, the Church of, the church of England should stay, stick to what the Church of England does best. We don't want to be blessed. Anyone on that meeting back in, in April? And then one of the councillors said, I think you may have got that wrong. The Church of England's remit is to bless the community. That is the point. It just We open the doors for Christmas and put on a nice ah, nativity service with the kids looking great. This is why I avoid those things. Not because I don't want the kids to do them, not because I don't think they're lovely, but I don't want to reinforce the community's preconceived ideas. Or we, open, we go and do a big service at the uh, 